Welcome back to MLW Vault, ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Balen. Welcome to episode number four overall. We have been gone for about a week, but we are back with what is sure to be an interesting episode, to say the very least here. Um, I am starting a little kind of mini-series which is going to take over all off-season of Major League Wiffle Ball. It's going to be I'm going to take over as GM for, I don't know if we're going to get to every single team, but at least teams that need it the most, in my opinion. And there is no team in the league that needs more help than the Great Lakes Skaters. So in this episode, that is what we're going to do. I'm going to be taking over. Um, I'm stepping up to the general manager position for the Great Lakes Skaters. Um, and we're going to be talking about how the Brendan Zerlag less Skaters can put themselves back into contention after um, two years of very disappointing um finishes to say the least and then even you could even follow it up to to the 2021 season um but so yeah it's pretty simple um really what we're going to go over is we're going to see um where the team is where they've been the last three seasons where they've finished at their current roster um what kind of numbers they put up last year um then we're kind of jump into a little thing of moves that need to be made in my opinion to try to help this team um become better and then to close it out um talking about the oh no we're going to talk about the upcoming drafts and what they need to do because the Gators have zero picks in the draft so um trying to finesse a move out of there trying to get one of the eight picks um and then lastly is the um open manager spot is after I have done all my work to help out then we're going to talk about who we think should actually step up to the managing position for the Great Lakes Gators so that is all coming up in this episode but lash up into around the league before we get started here um, the 2023 award show actually got delayed a week to Friday, January 26th. Um, I think it was something with the weather or, um, something, but so this video for me comes out on Friday, um, as we will see the winners to all of the awards. Um, and we'll see how good my predictions went because, um, I filled out an episode two of the show, um, which is out everywhere, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, um, I went very in-depth, the longest episode, actually, unless this one beats it, um, about just why who I think should win every single award. So um, be sure to check that out. Put a lot of work into that. Um, but the 2023 award show will be delayed um, to releasing at the afternoon of Friday, January 26th. So be sure to check out the MLW um, YouTube channel for that. It'll be the top link in the description. Um, and then, if not, no, this is a kind of late news, but on Tuesday, January 16th, it is official about the Brendan Zerlag Sawyer BN trade, as BN has been traded to the Great Lakes Gators in return for Brendan Zerlag. Um, I uploaded a short on the MLW Vault YouTube channel talking about all kind of my first thoughts about it um, and how everybody really says that the Cobras got 100% fleeced in this trade, which on the surface, it is when you just look at Sawyer being um, the player of Sawyer being and the player Brennan Zerlag. That's not fair for them to switch teams because being is a lot better. But um, there's a lot of more strategy in this deal. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I've talked about it yet on this um, podcast just because about the timing, about when the trade came up and everything. Um, but the Cobras, um, their entire rotation for about a year and a half now has been Brennan Baranowski and Sawyer Bien. Um, so trading away Bien opens up this second spot in the rotation. Um, and the Cobras have the second overall pick in the draft. So in my mind, Drew has a super solid um, pitcher that he has in mind to take number two. Um, and I mean, it's true that Brennan Baranowski was kind of the game one starter. You think of the Cobras, think who's their ace? It's Brennan Baranowski. Last season, 
Baranowski went 0-6, following up his Cy Young year in 2022. He follows up going 0-6, had a bad ERA. Um, and actually, the Cobras finished 4-11, and and Sawyer BN on the mound recorded all four of those wins. So a little something interesting just to throw in there, because um, uh, Baranowski definitely needs to... Um, to step it up for him to um, kind of keep his rotation spot, uh, just keep the Cobras um, in contention. But so that's kind of my initial thoughts. Um, I don't know what Zerlag is going to do on the Cobras. I mean, in my mind, he doesn't add a ton of um, offensive production to a team that has just a very, very full offensive lineup as this is now. Well, I guess they subbed it out. So the Cobras, I think, still have six players. Drew, um, Chris Baranowski, Brendan Baranowski, uh, Sean Flynn, now Brennan Zerlag, and then Gus. So, um, oh, and Annie Durant. So a very, very full lineup. Um, so I'll be very excited to see how, um, how Drew uh, manages his team, including what we expect to be a really um, good traffic for them. So that's kind of my first thoughts. Um, I think I actually got an official statement from Sawyer BN um, on what he thinks that post is. I think everywhere. Um, and he's just, he seems really excited. I think he wanted to be a bigger, in a bigger role with the Cobras than he was. And I think he gets that spot in the Cobras at least, or with the Gators. So, um, pretty exciting. I'm excited to see how BN does because he's definitely going to be a leader for this team. Um, see if he can turn them around. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my first thoughts on the trade. But before we really get started here, let's do a quick opener. Um, the MLW posted on YouTube, I think, or I'm not sure exactly where it was, but it was a um, little graphic in question that said teams with back-to-back 10-plus win seasons, including the postseason, and that was the Eagles, Mallards, D-backs, and Preds. And the question following it up was, do all four of those teams get 10-plus wins in 2024? Um, I thought I'd share my two cents on this really quick. So I don't know how fair it is to include the postseason, just in my mind, because, I mean, I feel like not every team of course, not every team makes postseason, but we're going to kind of go with it here, including the postseason. Do the Eagles get 10 wins? Um, I, I think the Eagles are a lock every year. Um, I don't see a world where they are really, like, slowing down. I think um, Dallas Allen is due for an MVP season next year, maybe even the year after that. Um as I think he keeps getting better, um, I think the Eagles need to draft a true pitcher. Um, I don't know if Blade should be that guy coming into next year. He did play pretty well <coughs> um, <coughs> in his in his position. Blade Walker did play pretty well, um, but I think they need a true number two arm. Now that I think Daniel Schultz pitching days might be over, um, it's the end of the era for sure. But do the Mal or the do the Eagles get ten plus wins in two thousand twenty four? Um, I well, I'll go yes. Let's say if they get at least if they get a winning record. Um, I mean that actually might not be too good. Um, because I mean they'll have to get a winning record and then actually like win games in the postseason like we just saw them do. So, um, Eagles, I'm gonna go. N- I'll go yes. I'll go yes. They're 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 a salt team. Just won the National League. We'll go Eagles. Yes. Mallards, um, man, I love hate relationship with the Mallards. A ridiculous regular season team. Come postseason, they cannot show up. Um, Mallards, I mean, I will we'll go. Yes, I think um, there are a couple moves I think Tommy should make this off season, and if he does, I think that'll lock him in. Um, 
Still going Mallards. Yes, they can also get a 10-win season in 2024. The Diamondbacks. I Honestly, I think all four of these teams can. Um, D-backs, Shima is gone, um, but we've seen how well um, Jimmy Norp can draft, so I think they'll find a perfect replacement for Shima. Um, possibly a guy with even more um, offensive production because they have a great uh, rotation of Jimmy Norp and Trey Flood. So D-backs, I love them. Um, I think they need to match the intensity that the league keeps going up in, um, and I think a draft pick will do that. So Diamondbacks, um, I think they're definitely a safe bet to get at least 10 wins because Jimmy Norp in the postseason is just absolutely different. Um, and then lastly, the Preds. Um, you never know with the Preds. Um, I think they are due for a absolutely breakout season, um, even to a point where they could win like multiple World Series in a row. Um, I think they're truly one guy away from being just an absolute dynasty because um, you got you got to match um, – or not necessarily match, but you got to pair Ryan Crashers and incredible talent with somebody else. So, um, Preds, I'm not totally sure on just because we never really know how they'll play in the regular season when all they're, we know they're capable of doing great things. Um, and I think even including the postseason, um, Preds for sure, I'll go 10 plus win. So, to answer the question, I do think all four of these teams are capable of getting 10 wins. If I had to take one out, it'd maybe be the Mallards or Eagles. Um, but I think the D backs and Preds are, uh, are, um, I think they're good locks for getting 10 plus win seasons come 2024. Okay. All right. Let's jump into here. What the seemingly impossible task of turning around these great lake skaters for 2024. Um, like I said, I'm going to be stepping up to the management position. I'm going to go over everything. I think that needs to change around the Gators organization. So before we get started, let's take a look at what has led to these Gators lackluster three seasons, really lackluster last two seasons. Um, it's 2021, they weren't terrible, but um, in that 2021 season, they finished just under 500 in the regular season at 7-8. and eight. Got a postseason victory, um, I think beating the um, beating the Eagles in the NLDS that year, um, but then losing to the uh, future champion in the downtown Diamondbacks in the NLCS. Um coming off, of course, their World Series win in 2020. Um, and then the infamous two two tough ones here. Um, 2022, they finished 3-12 and with missing out on the postseason. Didn't really come close to um, making the postseason. And then 2023, the frightful, the exact same record. Uh, they have six wins over the course of two seasons with 24 losses, six and 24 over the last two years, um, which have both resulted in them missing the postseason. 2022, they were closer because the D-backs were 5-10, and 10, so they had a shot at getting there, um, but Gators fell short 2023. Um, season was over when they played the D-backs in Slate 3, so... Um, not a lot to look at here between gate for Gators wiffle ball. Um, and this is our current roster right now. They got five guys on offense, starting with Jason Chadwick, who um, last season had a 744 OPS, 244 batting average, uh, got on base, uh, had 3054 on base percentage, um, with two home runs and four RBIs. Not bad, kind of a lack, a little bit of a downer year for Jason Chadwick with what we expect for him. Um, I think only two home runs for RBIs being there every single series isn't great. Um, he's followed up by Brandon Jorgensen, who led the team in every single hitting statistic 
um, had a 1,205 OPS, um, led by team by 461 points, um, had a tremendous 500 OBP, got on base half the time, which of course led the team, um, had a 364 average, with le- which led the team by 120 points, five home runs, which led it, and 11 RBIs, which led it, with a, which was a um, Gators triple crown, Jorgensen, quite, quite frankly, the... Um, only source of offense all season long. Um, as again, you know, their all time Gator Chris Cheatham last year, career low numbers for Cheatham a 497 OPS, 264 on base, 93 average, 093 average with two home runs and seven RBIs. Um, and then followed up by Reese Harris, who only had 18 at bats in 2024. Um, Made the most of those with a 5.67 OPS, 400 on base, 167 average with no home runs and two RBIs. And then their newest addition of last week, Sawyer BN last season with the Cobras, had a 7.10 um, OPS, 3.53 on base, 2.14 average with two home runs and six RBIs. And now this new pitching rotation will feature three pitchers unless they can possibly add a new one um and starting off with who i think should be the game one starter is sawyer bean um last year with the cobes had a four and three record um was responsible for all four of the cobras wins on the year um had a tough 233 era with a high 264 whip um just over 19 innings, innings pitched with 46 strikeouts um and then kind of bn jorgensen and cheatham's stats all look pretty similar um just accept the fact that Sawyer Bean has more wins than them. Um, as Brennan Jorgensen, who was um, really their kind of Jorgensen and Cheatham did, they kind of split the whole pitching all year long. Um, as Jorgensen threw 19.2 innings um, and Cheatham had 19. So two more outs was Jorgensen. Um, as Brennan Jorgensen went two for four with a 3.51 ERA, 3.10 whip, um, but solved 47 strikeouts. So ERA and whip, not great. Um, as Cheatham, had a worse record, but better ERA and whip um, with a one and six record, um, 221 ERA, 226 whip um, with 38 strikeouts. So doesn't look like a winning rotation to say the very least. Um, not great numbers. Um, I mean, well, it'll be interesting to see why. I mean, I think Swear BN should be the like game one starter. Um, so if BN truly does get 10 starts in the season, um, just starting games one and three, uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do with that. So um, I think BN should be the number one, but let's just kind of go into just straight up moves that need to be made here. Um, I'll be interested to see uh, kind of the, the kind of reception on this here. But at the top of the list, I think it could be very good nice right now to trade Chris Cheatham. Um, He has been on the plate. He had a good 2022 season, but he has been painfully inconsistent on the mound and his pitching has stayed the exact same over um, the course of the year they won the World Series to this most recent 2023 season. Um, And I think when your pitching stays the exact same, um, then the hitting keeps getting better in the league, so you're just you're just not catching up. Um, so really not not good numbers at the mound. Um, we just saw last season had that one and six record in 2022. He went three and seven. Actually had ten starts. It was that like game one and three guy. Um, 
His ERA was a little worse at 277, and his whip was also a little worse at 244. So kind of a consistently bad pitcher. Um, so really not great for him. Um, but like I said, he had a he had a good year at the plate in 2022, and I think that could honestly kind of help leverage you in a possible trade. Uh, you want to skip over his most recent stats with a. 093 average is, is pretty tough to look at. But I mean it's still seven RBIs is solid. Um seven RBIs in, in 15 games is I mean nothing to necessarily look over. Um but I think a downside to Cheatham is we've seen a lot of insight when the Gators go on the Pipe It Up podcast. Um is that Cheatham seems very negative um whenever the Gators are finding zero success, which has been a little consistent. Um and that's also what I think a loss when you lose Brendan Zerlag, who was their manager. Um, it felt like he felt kind of like a level-headed guy, tried to like rally the troops. I think he had a he had a pretty quiet managing style, um, from like the mic'd up segments. But so I think that's kind of a loss when you um lost Zerlag. But Cheatham has been very negative. Um, I mean I don't think you can blame him just because of the couple years they've had here. Um, but so I mean when you're kind of looking at trade possibilities for Cheatham um it really only gets interesting when you throw in like a package um with either like Chris Cheatham in a draft pick or Chris Cheatham and Reese Harris um I think straight up people you could trade would maybe be young guys like Preston Colm or Jacob Pishka um I think I if I'm the manager I'm honestly not taking that deal um but I mean then I have like Landon Yurgaitis on here um, I mean, I think if you threw in Chris Cheatham in a draft pick, then that could be a guy like Jackson Pearson in return or Brennan Russell. Um, although I think Russell, you the the Preds are sticking together. Um, I think that's for sure. But he's just Cheatham has just not been the same guy. And I think I know the Gators do practice as well. Um in the off season, but like I said, it just feels like his game has just stayed the exact same. Um, that's also what I think with uh, with Daniel Schultz um, and why I think his pitching days are over, it's just because he's kind of he's really stayed the same in the draft era. I'm a big advocate for um, it. Is just two different leagues, like level and playing wise, from the years 2000. Um, 10 all the way up to 2019 and then you introduce the draft in 2020 and these games just start getting so intense it's it's good wiffle ball with players that are actually really really good at the sport um and i mean i don't know if you can say that for christian anymore uh i think already trading zerlag that definitely lowers the stakes for christian um being traded as he is even technically still candidate for um to take over as the managing position for the Gators. But um, I think it would be good nonetheless to try to look for trade options for Chris Cheatham. Another player that I don't see helping out the Gators a ton, I don't know if I want to say making them worse, but definitely not making them better, um, is Reese Harris. So um, the kind of like at the top of the line here, I have cut Reese Harris for using him in a trade. Um, Harris is he feels like a lineup filler when they need a fourth person. We know that rule was established coming in 2023 um, that now each lineup is required to have four players. I, I'm a huge advocate for the move. I think that's tremendous. It made um, the viewing experience better. I um, made base running a lot better. Um, 
So I think, you know, Harris is that guy where they're like, all right, well, if Zerlak can't make it um, and we just have, you know, Jason Chadwick, Chris Schiedemann, Brendan Jorgensen, we can throw in Reese Harris into the lineup um, and try to get the kid a couple swings. So um, just very, very little production. If we look back at his stats at the plate last year, um, like I said, only 18 at-bats kind of compared to the rest of the team who had around um, – just over 40 at-bats, so he had less than half. Um, got on base 400% of the time, um, or I guess 40% of the time, if you will. Uh, one six seven average, very subliminal, zero home runs, um, two RBIs. Just I just don't see what helps him on the team. Um, and I Reese Harris is not a guy that you could say, all right, well, we're going to trade Harris to get somebody new. Um, it's just... That's there's no market for Harris where they're like, all right, we're kind of gonna try to go for a guy. Um, but something kind of interesting that I would want to think about here um is a possible Brendan Jorgensen and Reese Harris trade package. Now I think this could this could move some heads. This could this could get some looks here. Um I think if you take Brendan Jorgensen, you take Reese Harris, that is in itself a, a pretty heavy package that could be worth a superstar player but if you throw in a draft pick then you have a top 10 player um in the league that you could trade for so um i think uh draft picks in today's day and age of mlw are so so important um and they've seen we've seen multiple um examples of a team that's been bad one year they take one draft pick maybe two, take one draft pick, and it just turns them around, the Midwest Mallards. If you take that Mallards team without Jordan Robles, geez, they, they're winning three games. Um, if you take the Magic and take out Grant Miller, that's maybe a five, six-win team. Um, but then, I mean, if you have Grant Miller and take away R.J. Walgate, that's also um, maybe a 500 team. Definitely not, though. Um, so um, that's what I'm kind of going to the point where if the Gators did have a package of trading away another draft pick for a player, um, which if I'm a manager in today's league, I'm stocking up on these draft picks because it just clearly makes that big of a difference. That's why I think the Wildcats could win the World Series in 2024 because they have, similar to the Magic, they have the one and three overall picks. Um so I don't know if the Gators want to give up their 2025 pick um, just because, I mean, they haven't drafted in what could be two years if they don't trade one for this upcoming draft in April. Um, but, I mean, honestly, if you have Brandon Jorgensen and Reese Harris, I have a kind of significant little list of players that they could trade for. Um, and then even kind of on its own, I always thought Brandon Jorgensen would be the one traded not um, – Zerlag, even though they, I think, won that trade overall. Um, Jorgensen, in my mind, following up his season last year, I think he could be worth a top three pick. I don't know if just straight up number one overall, maybe Jorgensen and Harris could maybe then be number one overall. Um, but I think Jorgensen straight up could be worth the third, maybe second overall pick. So, um, that's like another option to possibly look at here, but talking about just Brendan Jorgensen and Reese Harris, um, 
I think those two alone, you could trade for Trevor Bonham or Brendan Baranowski. Those are two guys right now in my mind that are worth Jorgensen and Harris. Um, and I mean, keep in mind, maybe if we see Reese Harris have a full season of at bats, he could be better. Like he had for what he had, um, his OPS wasn't horrendous. I mean, a plus 500 OPS, um, is, I mean, you're doing something right. You're not absolutely, you're not like dead weight. Um, but I mean, everything else isn't super, super, not a lot to look at there. Um, but, I mean, I still think, like, if you give a whole season to Reese Harris, I think he could be a guy that gets on base for your team. So that's why I think um, sending straight up Brennan Baranowski for those two or Trevor Bonham for those two, um, that could be interesting. But then I think if you throw in a draft pick and you have Brennan Jorgensen, Reese Harris, and a draft pick, I think in return you could get a Jonah Heath or a Nick Saylor. Um, and, I mean, these Gators, they need to make moves. Um, if Let's say if they got Nick Saylor, um, which um, that would then make their team Saylor, BN, Cheatham, Chadwick um, right now, then maybe a draft pick. I mean, it's it's a team to look out for. It still feels like, you know, not a best one. Maybe could stretch out six. That team kind of scares me pitching-wise, but... Um, I think Jonah Heath could very much help this team trying to get a um, hitter and then Sailor, if we see a Nick Sailor return to um, his 2020, his like rookie season and then his sophomore season, Nick Sailor was just incredible. Um, I mean, I think then it could be pretty good. I think that's that's kind of what, in my mind, the Wildcats are really missing right now. Um, Schultz's Kyle, of course, is good. Trading for Liam Jackson was a great pickup for them. Um, and uh, I mean, I just think you know Nick Saylor if he if he returns back to his to his like eleven home run season. I mean, you can't. I don't see a team that could stop him. So, um, those are kind of the moves that we have just off the top of my head. Try to move Chris Cheatham. I don't know if there's a ton of market for him. Um, definitely, you're just under you underutilizing Reese Harris. Um, I don't see a ton of output and keeping him. Um, but I mean, I think the big one here, in my opinion, if I'm the GM, I'm putting together a package of Brandon Jorgensen and Reese Harris and seeing if I could get a player out of that. So those are my moves here. But let's next jump into the upcoming draft to see if the Gators can make a move to take a draft pick in 2024. That's next. All right. Adding to the uh, difficulty of this attempting this rebuild here, how I just talked about the draft picks and how, in my mind, so helpful they are to rebuilding franchises, the Gators have none in 2024. So I think maybe 2025 is kind of a target year for the Gators to really bounce back and try to have a good year. Um, as I mean, 2024, I'm not sure. They're going to need to make more moves if they want to be contenders in this extremely difficult NL. But um, it's like I said, they have zero picks thanks to Jason Chadwick in his trade. Um, as I mean, if I try to think about it off the top of my mind, what um, what it is like um, kind of resulted in. So technically, the, they would have had the number one overall pick last year would turn into Grant Miller. And then whatever... Uh, the Wildcats get at the number one overall pick because they traded away um, or they traded for Liam Jackson for their pick. So the Wildcats get the number one overall kind of 
which started from the Jason Chadwick trade. Um, so following that up, the 2000, the official 2024 draft order goes Wildcats at one, Cobras at two, Wildcats again at number three. Um, then it's just kind of how the season played out. So the Diamondbacks at four, Preds at five, Mallard six, Eagles at seven, and the Metro Magic at draft pick number eight. So um, I think if you want to go for a top three pick between the Wildcats, Cobras, or Cats again, you should try to target that number three overall pick. Um of the Wildcats. So I think that pick could be given for Chris Cheatham and Reese Harris. Um, but then I kind of little uh, disclaimer at the bottom. I wrote to find the Wildcats GM. I'm not accepting that trade. Um, but I mean, I think I do see a world where the Wildcats trade that number third overall pick for Chris Cheatham and Reese Harris. So um, like I said, draft picks turn around team. So um, I think it's very important for them to get um to get a pick here if they want to see results in 2024. Um, but if they don't, if that kind of top three doesn't work, I understand how Kyle would want to keep them. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it's realistic for them to pursue any of the bottom five or four or five picks here. Um, so the Preds at the fifth overall, they like to run with their four guys of uh, of Cratch, Warda, Russell, and McGlade. Um, and then I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles and Magic kind of opt out of their draft pick, which is that new thing um, this year. You know, since they have very, very full rosters, like the Mallards have a full roster, Cobras are very, very full, Eagles Magic as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of opt out, which that could definitely open a possibility for the Gators snagging that pick. Um, and then I think the Mallards could be interesting. I wrote up a little mock trade here. Um, and that would be, hold on. Um, so this case, um, the Mallards would give the six overall pick that they have in 2024 and Preston Colm for Brennan Jorgensen and Reese Harris to the Mallards. So um, I think maybe Jorgensen could be subbed in for Cheatham. Um, although I just, I mean, a package of Cheatham and Reese Harris doesn't, isn't very appetizing to me. Um, but, I mean, I think, you know, if the Gators really put together a solid package here, they could get Colm, which is, in my mind, a super young, solid rookie, um, and the six overall pick here to try to add a ton of youth to this team. Um, especially if uh, Tommy Coughlin makes a move for Jacob Pishka this offseason, which um, he said that he'd um, really... Um, like want they'd really want to have Pishka in the lineup as this is what Tommy said. Um so if they have Pishka, that means I don't really think Colm would be used to the most of his abilities, which I think he could even be a part in wanting to be on a new team. So um I think I could see this trade going down. Um I think Brennan Jorgensen and the great player that he is, it's a little low for it to go for the sixth overall pick. Um but I mean like I get like I said, if it's Chris Cheatham then um I mean it's just I don't think that adds a ton to it so um this kind of this little mock trade here for the sixth overall pick Mallards give give that pick and Preston Colm to the Gators in return for Ben Jorgensen and Reese Harris um as I mean like I said I think 2024 they're gonna miss out on the postseason for the third straight year I think that's just what's gonna happen I think they're in a deep rebuild that's gonna take longer than a year um 
But I think come 2025, if they have a brand new looking roster with no Jorgensen, maybe no Cheatham, no more Zerlag, possibly no Reese Harris, they maybe bring in Combe and now Sawyer Bean and maybe trade for a good pitcher like I just said at the top, like Brennan Baranowski or Trevor Bonham. Um, it's... It's a it's a it's it's a lot. It's a lot, and I don't think, like I said, I do not believe results are going to come very quickly for these Gators. Um, as we kind of have this final little piece here, there's an open manager spot for the Gators. Um, I mean, this whole episode we've really talked about Chris Cheatham, Brendan Jorgensen, and Reese Harris all leaving, which leaves Jason Chadwick as this one player that we've talked about not really on the market this season i mean just because you know he's spent a short time here i think he wants to be with this team um and so that is why i think that jason chadwick should become the new manager to the great lakes skaters um i think he is the most um the most like dedicated to the league out of these group of people um i mean i think he also keeps a level head um as we, like I said, looking into that uh, Piper Up podcast where um, Tommy interviewed Jason Chadwick on, you know, just another um, bad season from the Gators. Um, and I mean, it feels like Chadwick has the most level head and he knows, you know, there's ups and downs to the sport. There's just a lot more downs for this team. Um, so I think Chadwick should be become the new manager. Um, I think he can help himself out. He knows at the end of the day it's a business. That's a, that is his words. Um and so, I mean, I think I think he could be a very good spot for that. Um, I'm, it'll be interesting to see when that is announced. It's got to be before the draft, so sometime um, in the upcoming months. But um, I even kind of put here at the bottom, very, very unlikely. But, I mean, we've seen in the past two years um, these draft picks of being old players, right? R.J. Walgate was 14, but the number one overall pick for the past two years has been Robles, who is, I think, 20 something and grant miller who i believe is in his 30s so um i think if the gators fleece a draft pick here and they get like a jordan robles-esque or grant miller type player um then what if you know they put him in a managing decision as they want a guy that's super good and very dedicated to the sport to just take over this new era of gators wiffle ball so um that's it's it's something it's something to think about. I don't think that would happen. Um, as I I want Jason Chadwick to be in that position, um, because I mean I think if it's Cheatham or Jorgensen, since they're both friends, I don't really think any of them will like move each other. Which I think one of those two needs to go. Um, so that's why I think I think Jason Chadwick should become the new manager. But ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of the whole thing here. Um, a little bit of a shorter episode compared to what we normally do, but I mean it's just it's a it's a deep, deep rebuild for, um, for this team. I, like I said, kind of to like, just encapsulate the whole thing. Um, I think this off season, Jorgensen and Cheatham should, should be moved one of the two. Um, and I think you put on Reese Harris in that draft package to get somebody back, try to get a draft pick. Um, and overall Gators fans and Gators, um, players also, do not expect a winning season in 2024. They are in the harder league of the two. Um, I think if they were in the American League, a playoff spot would be um, a lot more realistic. But because they're in the National League with three true contending teams, um, I don't see them beating out any of those three teams, at least in 2024. So don't expect results quickly. 
move Cheatham or Jorgensen, put on Reese Harris with that pick, try to trade him in the draft maybe, put in Sawyer Bean, put him in a leadership opportunity, um, put Jason Chadwick as a manager, start this new era of Gators wiffle ball. This team was so much fun to watch in 2020, and I think it's possible for this team to come back um, and, and win games again. So that is going to wrap it up, ladies and gentlemen. Those are my final thoughts on trying to rebuild the Great Lakes Gators. Top link in the description of this episode is the MLW YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, turn on post notifications so you don't miss the upcoming 2023 award show. And right below it is going to be the link to the MLW Vault YouTube channel. I'm pretty active over there um, with uh, the community page and shorts and full-length videos. So ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you all next time. Peace.